This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Why Is Everyone Yelling with Lindsay Hine. I am your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful that you are joining us today. This is a podcast for parents or anybody helping raise kids. I am the mother of four myself, and I'm always looking to grow and learn more so that I can know better and do better in this whole parenting business. So I'm excited to have you along with me. Today, I have a great episode for you. This is episode nine of the podcast, and I'm talking with Katie Arnold. Katie is the mother of two girls. She is a runner and a writer. She actually won the Leadville 100 in 2018. Her writing work has been published in the New York Times, Men's Journal, ESPN The Magazine, Murray Claire, Runner's World, Elle, and so much more. She created and launched the popular Raising Rippers column about bringing up adventurous kids, which appears monthly on Outside Online and has grown to become one of the site's most popular blogs. Okay. Her writing over in that column is what really, really drew me in to have Katie on the show. I am so intrigued by the way she raises her girls, the way she makes sure that outdoor adventures are a huge part of their life. And also, one of my favorite things that we talk about in this episode is when you do hard things with your kids, you know, when you're outside climbing mountains and doing hard things with your kids, sometimes you're training yourself too. And you're teaching your kids that they can endure hard things. And that's a lesson that they'll take with them for the rest of their lives. Katie's actually going to come back on again because we didn't even get to all we wanted to cover in this episode. I'm so excited to share this with you. I also want to mention Katie is the author of the popular book, Running Home, which is a memoir where she talks about life growing up, family, ultra running, grief, resilience, adventure, and so much more. Definitely check out that book if you haven't already. She's doing a virtual book tour now. All of the links to everything about Katie will be in the show notes over at sandyboyproductions.com. And if you join our email list, we will send those out to you. Email Emma, my assistant, at emma at sandyboyproductions.com if you want to be added to the email list so that... You can just get these show notes delivered to your inbox once a week. All right. And if you enjoy this conversation with Katie, make sure you leave us a rating and review and share it with your friends on social media. That would be a huge help in getting the word out about this brand new podcast that I'm so excited about. All right. Enjoy my conversation with Katie Arnold. Well, today on Why Is Everyone Yelling? We have Katie Arnold on the show. Welcome to the show, Katie. Thanks, Lindsay. I'm psyched to be here. Yeah, well, this is fun because this is the second time I've had the opportunity to interview you. You've been over on my other podcast, my running podcast. So um, I have to say, when I interviewed you for that show, I like secretly wanted to ask you all the parenting things, but it was a running (laughs) podcast and we were talking about your new book. So now we get to do it here. Great. All right. Bring it on. Let's do it. Um, so let's share with the listeners a little bit about your story. I know you have two girls and you do all sorts of amazing adventures with them. So just give us a little bit of your motherhood backstory. Yeah, I have two girls. They are 10 and 12 and um, their names are Pippa and Maisie. And I live here in Santa Fe, New Mexico with my husband, Steve. And um, I am a journalist and a writer. Like you mentioned, I um, just published a book called Running Home, which is just out in paperback, which is really exciting. And that's sort of my journey as um, a runner and a writer. But it also has a lot of um, parenting and mothering moments in it as I'm sort of learning how to um, integrate all those parts of me, Um, the mothering, the writing you know, the work, the the pleasure. And I think it's interesting because a lot of people think that in order to do those things well, they all have to be separate, mm. like separate boxes for the runner and for the writer and the mother. And I've found in my life, the truth for me is that when they all combine and when they all feed each other, 
I do better at all of them. I'm a better mother, I'm a better athlete, and I'm a better writer when there's no gap between them, if that makes sense. Uh, Yeah, I love that thought too, because I feel like you hear a lot of times, you hear uh, mothers say, I don't have any balance. I, you know, like my, my plate is really full with this thing or that thing, but there's never any like total balance. And I am kind of on this mission to have a balance and it's a very controversial. I feel like everybody says balance is BS. Um, (laughs) but what you just explained to me sounds very balanced. You know, that's a funny, that's a great way to put it. I wouldn't have thought that that, Right. Like you, the word balance is kind of loaded. And um, but I think you're right that that's just another expression. What I just said of that convergence is another way of of expressing balance. And um, like when I think of it as like three, like a tripod, right, like the three legs of who I am and my kind of identity and my truth as a person is mother, runner and writer And the order in which I say that depends on the day or the week or kind of what's top of mind. Um, But it's always shifting. And they they all, like a tripod, have equal importance in my life. And, you know, if one was shorter than the other, the whole thing would topple. And so they're, um, they're very symbiotic. And I think because of that, I think that is that does create this place of balance. That doesn't mean I don't have crazy days yeah. and yelling and like, you know, totally not, you know, totally losing my cool. But um, in general, I try to live from that place of integration and um, I'm happier for it. And I know my kids are as well. Um, and, and certainly my husband, like it just works better when they're all connected. And nothing, not one thing is more important than the other. Like, you know, I, my children are so important to me, but I also have to be fed and inspired as a writer and a runner to be the better mother. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's really intentional, too, because you can choose to let one thing overrule. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to mindfully decide, like, I'm shutting this off. I'm you know, I think right. about that with, I was thinking about this last night when I was editing a couple episodes that I was putting out today and my son kind of like crawled into bed. Like he got out of his bed and come in, came into my room and I was like, you need to shut your computer right now and that's okay. And it's okay that it, this gets out an hour later tomorrow and just like yeah. rest in being with him right now. Right. And that feeds like that will feed your work making podcasts. Like that will make your podcast production and your interviews and all that more real and more wholehearted, right? When you acknowledge that part of you. And I do like that word choice because it is like we can make those choices. And sometimes we feel like we're being run by our lives. And, and, but in fact, we do have those choices to like, okay, I'm going to turn up the volume on the, on the mothering this week because of things going on or whatever. My 12 year old just got braces and it's like, Oh God. Okay. All hands Mm -hmm. on deck, like (laughs) the mother switch and like maybe turn down the running switch because I just ran a marathon on Saturday. So I'm in recovery. So thank goodness that that (laughs) dial can go down. But it's like, I like that, that image of us like at the control panel, you know, and and instead of us just being like tossed around by the insanity of of doing all these things at once, it's like, okay, like, can we be more mindful and conscious of where we're putting our energy and why? And, and uh, yeah, I like that. It, I think that is more sustainable. You have control over the control panel. I love that. That's so good. Um, Katie, tell us a little bit about your upbringing and how that has been a part of who you are today and and how you do parent your girls? Well, um, yeah, I was raised in the 70s and 80s. Um, I grew up in suburban New Jersey. <clears throat> My parents split up when I was very young. Um, I write about this a lot in Running Home, this sort of um, split childhood. Um, divorce was so different back then. Mm-hmm. My mother ended up moving a few states away from my father. Um, and so when she remarried, and so we lived primarily, my mother had custody and we visited my dad, you know, only a few times a year, which now by today's standards seems so 
wild. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. I lived in New Jersey and then my dad lived on a farm and um, we had, a you know, happy family despite the split families. Like my parents were very. Um, sorry. It's OK. Um, my parents were, um, they got along, you know, they didn't bring their stuff into the divorce. And, um, so I was raised, you know, we had a comfortable upbringing in suburban New Jersey. I was a super active kid. Um, early, early on learned that kind of being outside and being in nature was my safe place. And I think that was just from navigating, um, even though the, the divorce was not acrimonious, it's still unsettling as a kid. And so I found comfort being outside in nature. That was something that I guess was a constant for me, even as my family was shifting and I was getting new siblings and whatnot. Like then being outside was where I felt most myself. And um, and my father certainly um, contributed to that because he he was a National Geographic photographer. He had a real um, sort of adventure streak and um, loved being outside. And so I got a lot of that from him. Um, But not to downplay my mom, she, you know, she just encouraged us to go outside and play all the time. It was kind of that old fashioned childhood where there wasn't a lot of supervision. You know, my mom was sort of that eyeball in the window, like you knew she was had like one eye Mm -hmm. on you. Mm-hmm. you could kind of do your thing and um it was a great way to grow up with that amount of freedom and it's something that I'm working on with really trying to incorporate into my girls lives because I think it's so formative um those childhood freedoms that time when it's unstructured when you're not doing organized activities um you know when you're not playing a a team sport to have times in your day as a kid to be free because that's when you're most imaginative and that's when you sort of do that kind of daydreaming state that that leads you deeper into yourself where you you know have ideas or make up stories in your head or get creative and um, so I really, and as a writer, I've, I've wanted, you know, I wanted to be a writer since I was a child. So I discovered that early that when I was sort of outside in nature playing, that I was most creative. So that's the kind of, um, those are sort of the, some of the big points for us as parents is to let our kids be outside as much as possible. Right. And, but also give them time to explore on their own and to have their own time so that they can discover what uh, moves them and what is what they're interested in. Yeah, you know, it's 2020 that, you know, the era that we're raising our kids is so different from, you know, you said you grew up in the 70s and 80s. I grew up in the 80s and 90s. And we just we did not have the distractions that kids have now. No, you know, know, like. I was trying to explain to my kids the other day. I was like, did you know that when I was a kid and I wanted to watch a show on TV, I literally (laughs) had to watch just what was on TV in that moment. We've said that too. And their brains explode when they hear that. They can't even understand it. No Netflix. I can't decide what show I want to watch. (laughs) Um, Right. And I am I am struggling with this technology thing already. My kids are two through eight, and we've always been pretty minimal in our family uh, with technology stuff. But man, it takes like two months, and they're sucked in. Gosh, totally. I know it's. I, I think that's the biggest issue and challenge facing parents today. I I, I think there's no question. Um, our kids don't have devices. They don't have screens. We are in the camp of very much of like hold off as mm-hmm. long as possible slash brainwash. Like mm-hmm. I am not ashamed to brainwash my children into thinking that like they don't want to have cell phones till they're driving. In fact, the other day, my mom was my, my mom, my daughter was like, mom, when do you get your driver's license? Cause I don't want to have a phone till then. And when I do, I only want a flip phone. Wow. So. Yeah. So we, I think it's a daily practice as a parent to push back against that. And then if your kids do have screens, don't despair. I think that, but you still have to be vigilant every day about limits. Um, Otherwise they can just, from what I've seen, 
just anecdotally in friends and family, like you can really lose your kids to that. Um, so I, it's something I take really seriously and we being outside and being out in nature a lot, like we do, and we can talk about this, a ton of hiking and backcountry trips is kind of the other piece of the puzzle. So withholding on screens and, you know, maximizing, um, outdoor time, I think is, is what we've decided in our family is what we can do to kind of ground our kids into what's real and so that they don't spin out into that virtual existence that that is so alluring and um, I think dangerous to kids. It's so it sounds dangerous. like a strong word, but I believe that it is. It changes, you know, our attention span and how we relate to one another and yeah. Concerning. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, my husband describes the internet as toxic. (laughs) Um, and it's true. And I, I have to say, and I'll admit to the listeners, like I really struggle with this. I think that we've been pretty simple with it. We have one family iPad that the battery dies after it's on for like 30 minutes because it's so (laughs) old. However, I resort to the TV way too much because I'm trying Mm -hmm. to like, manage the big kids. And so I want to keep the little kids happy. And it turns into an addiction real fast, like really fast. fast. My kids, I feel like if we do something like two or three days in a row, last week was a, you know, a challenging week for everyone. We were trying to distract ourselves from the news cycle. Mm -hmm. We watched a couple of like on election night, we watched the three amigos, you know, we watched a movie on a school night. We would never do that. But we felt we needed to for our mental health have some really big laughs and we, and it worked but you know the next night and the next night after they, there they were they wanted again me. right and so it happens really fast and and i think you're right like 100% you know the the screen time can come in handy if we're just in a bind as a working parent and we need our kids to be occupied while we do something important and i've definitely used that um, for sure. It's just that it can be hard, more complicated to undo that after, you know, and, and those kids get, they, they think they do it twice and they think it's like the new thing. Yeah. The undoing. Yeah. That's, and that's something, um, we're going to, I'm going to dive into this like super deep with some other guests, this technology topic, because I have so many thoughts on it and so many questions about it. And that undoing, because I think that one thing people get really nervous about is maybe people that are 10 years ahead of me, for instance, who like their kids are already deep into it, you know, how do I undo? How do I backtrack? And also, how do I not like rest in what's happened and like not feel guilty and beat myself up about it, but just be proactive and moving forward with how I want to handle it? Yeah. No, I've heard some stories about people who have given the phone and then had a real heart to heart assessment with their child and been like, you know what, we need to take this away. And that, and I think it's possible. I do think it's possible. We just watched The Social Dilemma. That was one of the movies we watched last week. Um, I don't know if you've seen that, I but yet. It, it's intense. And our girls were old enough to watch it. Okay. Um, and and sort of really see, and we, we're very open about technology and, um, and kind of the traps of it and, and how it's so easy as adults to get sucked in. I'm sure you find this. Oh, I'm totally, yeah. Place, you know, for whatever, if you're having a hard week to, to be on social media can be really, um, it can be difficult mm-hmm. and it can cause some self doubt and anxiety. And so imagine, for children, right, who don't have that strong center, um, how detrimental it can be. And so we've talked a lot about that. But then to watch the movie, I highly recommend it if your kids are of that sort of adolescent age, like um, 10 and 12, it seemed perfect because um, they came away from that movie like, oh, my God, mom, I don't want a phone (laughs) until I like have to. That's so good. And that's what we've said early on. I just, I, I'm always like, listen, you have your whole life to have a phone and your phone's going to rule you even as an adult. Like, and so just don't have it. Like, don't, you know, let's keep that off in the distance as far as possible. Yes. Amen. Yes. Amen. 
I mean, I think that one of the things too, um, and I'll last note on this is that getting your partner to be like on the same eye level Mm. with you on this is probably really challenging for a lot of people. I know in our family, like my husband sees it less of an issue than I do. Um, And that's probably because I'm probably more sucked into social media than he is. He doesn't have social media, so he doesn't, I think, in his everyday life, see how that, you know, time suck would be. But um, I think that getting on the same, same playing field and like really agreeing with your spouse on this can be a challenge. I agree. My husband's also not very much on social media. Oh, he's on Facebook, but he'll just watch like the silly cat videos. Uh-huh. And he, he, so he, he doesn't see right how it can be. So it can really profoundly affect your mm-hmm. sense of self if you're not in a strong place. And um, I just think adolescence is inherently, you know, you're, you're vulnerable to those things. And, um, so yeah, we're just in agreement, like hold off as long as possible and, uh, and then really build up the outdoor time and sort of that, you know, so the, the one part is like, don't let them have social media, but then really shore up their inner strength and their, um, sense of self by being out in the world and physical and kind of in nature and having that relationship to nature. So that's like our two prong strategy. So we, you know, we do focus on no technology, but we put most of our energy into building them up as um, outdoor kids who, you know, can weather all kinds of conditions outside, who develop that grit and self-confidence, you know, by being in adverse conditions and weather and, and climbing mountains that seem hard and pushing through those low points. Um, and I think that, that I'm seeing huge payoff for our girls. Um, it's not always easy. And there is a lot of whining and <laughs> just hard days out there, yeah. like anywhere. And um, so when I say that I'm not making I don't want anyone listening to think that like, my kids just like prance up a mountain, <laughs> with no whining, and like, it's, you know, we're eating like the healthiest foods. No, you have to like, there's hard points. And I tell them, I said, there, you know, there's going to be low points, like on any hike um, or any outdoor, you know, mission, you're going to, it's going to be hard at times. And, but what I tell them is as long, like that, that, you know, my husband and I are watching and if there's not consequence, like if there's, if the weather's holding, if they're healthy, like no one's hurt, you know, if we have enough food, if we're prepared, we will push through those low points because they're really, they're low points in your mind. But if, you know, I believe in them, I know they're capable of doing it. And so let's go and the conditions are favorable. So let's push through. And then invariably when we do, you know, you pop out that other side and you feel so proud of yourself and you have that, you know, real sense of accomplishment. And so those are some important moments that we have. The lows are really important because that's how you get to that feeling of, oh, wait, I stuck it out. You know, I'm strong. And I don't just physically strong, obviously. What a gift to give your kids. I mean, honestly, just for every other thing they ever do in their entire lives that you are instilling that in them. And one thing I love that you talk about is instilling a sense of um, curiosity. So those trips that you do, those hikes that you do, being outside, um, that produces a curious kid. And that's the opposite of what these screen obsessed, you know, times are doing. And so I would love to just explore that a little bit because one thing we lose when we are adults and we don't have to lose Um, is our wonder and our curiosity. And so how do you think that all of these trips have helped your kids grow a deeper sense of wonder and curiosity? Well, yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think just taking it back to my childhood for a second, that's really what my dad instilled in me and um, was this you know, eyes open, pay attention, like look around, see the world, like be in the world Mm. and live in the world. And he did that because he was a National Geographic photographer. So photographers innately have that sense of like looking around, like, Mm. you know, trying to capture the shot, the moment. 
And so I learned that just like, and again, he never like lectured me on it. It was just by osmosis, by like growing up with him. Did I see his way of being in the world, which was never, he never had to be the center of attention or like, you know, the most, you know, the funniest or most exciting person in the room. He was kind of there, the observer. So he really taught me the power of observation and which is really now, I think another way of saying that is being present Mm. or mind awake. And so that's just built in me. And um, we would, you know, whenever we were out in the world, like I knew because he was a photographer, he was always kind of looking for that sort of moment that other people might miss that sort of mundane or quirky or, you know, it didn't have to be like an Ansel Adams, you know, scene. It could just be something really curious that you haven't seen before, sort of that captured the essence of someone. And so I was always looking for that. And so I think I just um, take that with me into mothering my children. Like I'll point out when we're hiking, um, you know, my husband's great because he's a horticulturalist. So he, knows every Latin name for every plant in the world. And he he could rattle off plant names. He's insanely knowledgeable about geology. So he knows all that kind of like, this is the X layer of rock and this is, you know, basalt and, or this is this plant. And he's got that covered, which is great. And then I'm kind of like, I, you know, paying attention to the big views and like, and, or the people we pass or like, you know, when you're out in the world, you might see something interesting. And then like the writer in me will make a whole story about it or like, I wonder what they're doing. And so we just, you know, like, it's nothing that we, uh, we don't give them like, you know, botany, botany lessons, but we're just (laughs) talking about, you know, we're just living in the world and we're paying attention and we're kind of discussing it, discussing what we see. And there's lots of laughs, like we're, you know, we're a pretty silly family. And um, so that I think is a good way to bring it into your family instead of, you know, kind of lecturing on like, now kids, this is the weather pattern Mm -hmm. we're seeing, you know, and, um, and I think just by being out in the world, like, you know, we just took a walk the other day and this Mesa that we hike a lot um, in different seasons. And we we have, you know, we remember past hikes. Oh, remember when we were up here and it was like this kind of weather and now it's so calm or look at the river. You can see the Rio Grande way below and it's so clear in the winter. Well, why is it so clear right now? Oh, because there's not the summer storms that bring the sediment out of the side canyons. And so it's just like a conversation that we have. And, um, and our kids so far are pretty receptive, you know, like they're pretty, um, pretty awake kids and, and, um, and have some great observations that they bring back or, you know, the kids see the world in such a cool way. And so they are constantly helping us open our eyes too. Yeah. And I love the idea of learning together. Mm -hmm. I recently interviewed, uh, his, his, um, Instagram is called the dad lab and he does all these science projects with kids. And I'm thinking half of the stuff he does, like I kind of don't even know what's going to happen at the end, which is sounds silly, but it's so fun for your kids to see you like learn something new with them. So my biggest takeaway from that was like, you don't have to know everything and you don't have to always have the answers for your kids. And when you learn together, that's probably more fun for them anyway. Right. And that's so true. I love that. Like, I really believe that sometimes the questions are more important than the answers. And to be be able to ask a lot of questions and like, I'm fascinated by questions and sort of where do they lead? And, and I actually sort of like living in that world where there may not always be a definitive answer, but there's multiple scenarios or possibilities. And so, so yeah, we talk about that a lot when we're out walking and, or in nature. Um, and, and I think, I think my kids are learning that, you know, from us that, that it's okay not to know. Um, and, Thank God I'm married to someone, though, who knows a lot. <laughs> Any kind of fact, I just am like, go ask daddy. You know, like, daddy, what's the answer to this? 
<laughs> I do that a lot too. Bigger picture, and he's got the real handle on the facts. <laughs> well, and and my husband will want to like even if he doesn't know the answer, he's going to want to figure it out, and he's going to want to like be able to share the answer. That makes him excited. Whereas oh. for me, I'm like, I don't know, we'll figure it out later. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. My brain can't handle all the facts. I'm more into like feelings and kind of like, uh-huh. like to be out like, oh my God, this for whatever reason right now, the light, the November light normally is so it, it's kind of sad for me because I love the long summer days. Uh-huh. The, no, the light right now is so clear and there's something gorgeous about it. And so like, I'll be just yakking about the light and look at the quality of the light girls and and, you know, Steve will be like rattling off the plant names or <laughs> so we make a good pair. I love it. OK, so one thing you mentioned with your river trips and your hikes and all your exploring with your girls is that like it's not always easy. Yeah. And we know that I, I've always kind of been in the camp that I don't want to do a lot of traveling with my kids until I'm done with diapers and that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. um, because it's a beautiful thing to travel with your kids, but when they're real, real little, there's only so much you really can do and it can be, you know, it can get frustrating, but I, I want to be more adventurous. I want to do more adventures with my kids. And I know for so long, like I use that as an excuse, like they're so little still, it's hard, you know? Um, and we have a range now, you know, we've got, my kids are two, four, six, and eight. So obviously the six and the eight-year-old can do a lot more physically than yes. the two and the four-year-old. But one thing I find myself getting frustrated about is when we do do something challenging and they do start complaining. And something I'm really trying to work on is controlling how I respond to that uh, complaining. Yes. So yes. I'm curious, like, how do you handle that? And you've probably seen a process here, like the complaining was different when they were four than when they're 10. Well, you can probably hear in my tone of voice, like, <laughs> I'm feeling you, like, I feel this is, um, you know, it's, it's a process, it goes in waves, it's easy when they're little, little, right? Because like, you can carry them, yeah. and they don't have to say. So I found in our own sort of trajectory as like an adventure family, like when they were um, portable and little and you could carry them, like we could do tons of things. We hiked 14ers in Colorado with them on our backs. I mean, it weighed a ton. We skied into backcountry huts with them because again, we could put them in the ski trailer and ski in. And then there gets to be that period in the middle where you're, sounds like you're younger too, or in that zone where they're not you can't really carry them as much, but they don't have the stamina mm-hmm. um, to go on their own. So that is a, the period where we um, shifted and did, I think, a little bit less like, you know, we had to um, scale back to their level um, and be OK with that. And I think the most important thing is just to keep the big picture, mm-hmm. which is like it goes up and down. It's like, you know, um, like waves and um, sometimes you'll be able to go a lot farther and sometimes you won't. But if you look at the big picture, like what's the big goal? Well, we want them to have a relationship with the natural world. And we want them to have, because having a relationship to the natural, natural world helps them have a relationship with their minds and their bodies so that they like learn more about themselves as people and that they have this strength and inner strength to be out in nature. And so if the, you know, that's the big picture, okay, we'll do what you can in those periods where it's harder to get out. So maybe that just means like, instead of having more ambitious plans, you are, you know, just going out like in your neighborhood for longer walks Mm -hmm. in the colder weather, or, you know what I mean? So like, just taking the long view and knowing like, oh, right, we're in that phase. We're kind of in the weeds right now. They, they're little enough where they can't go that far. But yet we still, this is so important to us, like as a family and long term, that we're going to do what we can with what we've got. And sometimes that means just literally going out your door. And it's, you seem like you're great at that, like kind of just being like living where you are, being with mm. what you've got. And um Honestly, I think that that, you know, especially right now in the pandemic, like no one's really traveling, Mm -hmm. you know, we've, everyone's got to learn to make do with what 
is out the door. And I think it's a really good practice. So maybe it's just about shifting the mindset and being like, oh, right, we can't do these epic things right now, but we're building toward when we can. And so I think of it like training. We're not just training them to be like, oh, right, we go outside in bad weather or like we don't let the weather stop us. We get, you know, we have warm clothes. We know how to dress for it. We're training them, but we're also training ourselves as parents mm. to like deal with the whining and to do the hard things when they're little so that that we become accustomed to it so that when they're older, right, like we've already been through, you know, the harder times. And um, that's what I thought of it when we when they were really little and we were <clears throat> like doing backcountry trips and on rivers and <clears throat> people were pretty critical. Like when I would write about it on outside, some people were like, why are you taking your kids into the backcountry on rivers? <clears throat> they're not going to remember it. Like they don't, they're mm. not. And, and I was like, they're not going to remember it. I, and I actually think it goes into them on a deeper level so that, yeah, they probably won't have conscious memories. Of course not of when they were on the San Juan river, when they were one, but it goes into this sort of DNA of who they are. And more important is we remember it. And we learned how to change diapers on the tent floor and how I to nurse my baby with a life jacket on in the raft and like <clears throat> muddy and kind of just and I, you use that sort of to build confidence for future adventures. So then it becomes this benchmark of like, oh my God, if I can change the baby diaper <laughs> on the tent floor, then I can do hard things like watching her ski down a double black diamond run or letting her, you know, having her get her driver's license. Like it's, it's like we're building our own confidence as parents because it's going to keep getting hard. It's just hard in different ways. And so that was my answer when people would be like, that's mm. reckless to take the kids out. And it's like, actually, we're training, we're training us and we're training them. And it's so far, knock on wood, work, worked out. Like our kids love to be outside and um, we're, we're still doing things as a family. I love that entire concept because we don't think about it that way. I don't think many parents think about the fact that when you're doing hard things with your little kids, even if they're not going to remember it, that you're training yourself. I, I've never heard it said that way. Yeah, you're training yourself because the right, like, as we know, as parents, like nothing stays the same, you know, right before I had kids, someone gave me great advice, a friend of mine, she was like, the things you think are going to be hard will probably be easy. Mm -hmm. And the things you think will be easy, maybe hard. And so like, we're training ourselves to live with that reality of like, oh, right, you know, I have to do this hard thing when she's little and then like, oh my God, she's going to become a teenager and there's going to be other hard things. But if you learn that you can get through them, then it builds your sort of confidence muscle as a parent. And I'm not saying that there's not hard days for sure there are, but it kind of, it's, it's, you're building like just to borrow a term from running, like you're building your base. Okay. So my question in regards to what I said earlier about how you respond to your child's complaining. Um, I think in the past three years, probably I have really refined how I respond. I, I still blow up sometimes. I still scream sometimes. Um, but I've, I've minimized it. I'm doing it a lot less than I used to. Um, because I think a lot of times I, when I would yell, I would be, I would be reacting to their behavior in um, in a way because I didn't I I didn't think they should be acting the way they were acting. But now looking at it, I'm thinking, okay, wait a minute. This is a four year old. (laughs) You're reacting to them as if a 10 year old just did what they did. Um, So I'm curious, have you changed in that way? And how do you handle those really hard moments when you know, you're really frustrated with your kid because they're whining about something and you know, they're tough enough, you know, they can get through it, but you just want them to like, keep walking. Right. Yeah. It's changed over the years. Like I've definitely gotten better tools, um, just for myself, because like you, there's always going to be that moment as a parent when, you know, maybe you're tired too, or whatnot. You just don't have the resilience where you yell. And I, for sure, I'm with you on that. Um, 
So I would say like a couple of things. One is that I have learned um, that to be able to express that point I said earlier about there's going to be low points Mm -hmm. and helping them recognize like, oh, what they're feeling is this low point. Like, oh, they don't want to go any farther. They feel tired. But you know what? Like daddy and I have assessed the situation. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you're not at risk. Like we have enough food and I'm just using an outdoor example, but it goes for other things too. But like we have enough food, like the weather's good. Like we believe you can do this. So we're going to keep going. And And um, so being able to articulate that, that like, we're watching out for you, we, we believe in you, like, I know you can do this. And also like, we're in charge. So you don't have to worry about getting, you know, things getting scary. Um, So sending that message, and I think that applies to other things in life, like if they're, you know, your kids are having a hard time with school, you know, like, or friends, it's like acknowledging, like, I I get it, like, I get Mm -hmm. that you're tired on the trail, or I get that you're having a hard time with your friend. And we see the bigger picture, like, we know you're not in danger. We know, like, I know you'll mend this, this friendship with your friend, you know, and so being that supportive kind of um, bolster under them has is helpful. Um, It's hard. Sometimes it just gets hot in the moment. And you just want to yell too. And um, I find that like that, I'm, I'm getting better able to manage that. And some of that's just my own self care. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm doing more, I meditate more and I'm not like, I don't meditate, you know, maybe like five to seven minutes a day. And it's, you know, it's nothing fancy, but like just having that moment, you know, of stillness and quiet in myself that then I can bring to my mothering helps me. Um, when I have, my daughters are pretty different. Like one is just so even keeled and, and the other is really, um, feels it all and kind of, and they're so cool in that they're so different and then they're very similar too. And so, you know, my technique has to, you know, change with Mm. the child. Um, and it's easy, like with my one who is sort of the bigger, you know, all over the map, the one who has more of the big emotions, like to get sucked into that. Right. And then, and then it triggers me. Um, and so I find that if I can pull back a little bit and look at the big picture, like, wait, we're all safe. This, whatever you're going through is not going to last forever. Um, that's the trap I fall into sometimes is like thinking that how it's now, how it is now is how it's going to always be. And then you're like, oh, wait, no, everything's always changing. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so trying to impart some of that wisdom, but then just, you know, when they're out on the trail, honestly, it, or any time, like sometimes you just need to feed them, <laughs> <laughs> sit and rest, like give them a minute. I'm not, I, I have no problem with bringing sweets on the trail or like letting them pick a little like candy treat to bring with them before we go on a big hike for sure in the mountains. I'm like, if you want that bag of Sour Patch Kids, like, let's do it. Yeah. If, help you get up the mountain. You know, I don't have a problem. You've just hiked like six hours. Yes. I'm not, not going to get hung up on Sour Patch Kids. That's <laughs> and so actually, good. can I have one while we're at it? <laughs> <laughs> that is so, so good. Um, <laughs> I love the concept of connecting with your kids in the way that you say, I understand that you're upset. And I understand why you're upset. And this is exact specific thing happened recently and Katie and I are actually going to talk about this in a whole separate podcast because we have so many thoughts and feelings on it Uh, but on the way to soccer uh, my son had soccer practice this fall on Mondays and Fridays after school Um, and then games on the weekend and he loved the games but going to soccer practice on a Monday and on a Friday, those two days of the weeks are pretty hard days to rally, right? Yeah. And so oftentimes, especially on the Friday practice, he would just be feeling really frustrated. His friends in the neighborhood were all out playing and his brother was out playing with the friends in the neighborhood and we'd load him up and take him to soccer. And, you know, part of me wanted to be like, you should be grateful. You know, we're doing this for you and this is an opportunity. And and I do think it's important to share those thoughts. But I also found that when I would say, hey, buddy, 
I totally get that you're frustrated right now. Like I would be really tired too if I just had school all day and then I had to load up and go to soccer. And then I would also be sad if my friends were still playing. So I get that. Right. And I found that when I would just say that and like let him know that I understand that it makes sense that he feels upset, he would let it go. And oftentimes he would say, you get it right, mom. You see why I'm upset. Oh, yeah, that's so true, right? And that just takes the pressure out of that moment. I think it's like really all we want as humans is to be seen and understood. And so to be able to mirror that back in that moment, you know, is so important. And that goes for, you know, whether it's with your spouse or someone at work or whoever, is to just take that moment instead of jumping in and either trying to force your will upon it, like just suck it up, it's time to go you know, or like, you're lucky, lots of kids aren't playing sports mm-hmm. right now, like, you know, and or trying to fix it, like, don't worry, like, afterwards, we'll go get pizza, mm-hmm. right. But just taking that moment to be like, Oh, I know, I get it. I can see why that's hard and why you wouldn't want to go. And then maybe talking about like, you know, what do you think, you know, what would the right thing be to do, you know, to go like, you've made this commitment. Um, so let's show up and give it our best. And then we can go and, and sort of see your brothers and reconnect or, but to have that moment. And a lot of, I think that gets skipped because we're in a rush so much, mm-hmm. you know, or we're, we're juggling so hard and it's like, we don't have time to do that reflecting back on how someone's feeling, but it, I, I agree with you that that can totally change the energy in the room. I think that the rushing point is such a good point. And as a, as a mom of little kids, I have like tried so hard to eliminate the rushing, um, which oftentimes makes us late, which oftentimes makes me feel rude, but I have kind of just decided right now, if it's going to stress everybody out and everybody's going to be angry and screaming to rush it and get there right on time Mm. to like a birthday party or something like that. I'm not doing it. And right. I, I I apologize, but I just got to pick my battles. And right now it's like, if, if that's going to cause extra friction in my house, we're just going to slow down. We're not going to rush putting our shoes on and we're going to maybe be late. <laughs> right. And that goes back to that point we had, we talked about in the beginning, right? Like we're in control of the control panels. Yeah. It's like, okay, I'm going to just take my foot off the gas because in the big picture, being 15 minutes late to a birthday party is not the end of the world. And it's better to have more calm in the house than like stress to get there. And I had that the other day too, getting my kids to school. They are in in in-person school, thank goodness. Mm -hmm. Um, We put them in this sort of outdoor nature school, which is been amazing because our public schools are not open and um, yeah and and we also don't have any sports so I feel like hearing you I'm like god we're living in such different worlds oh yeah but we were my kids ride their bikes to school and it's it's a decent ride it's like four miles each way and um and I usually ride with them and I love the bike ride in the morning. It's like fresh air, it's movement, it's time on our bikes to talk. There's a little bit of single track, so we get some fun, you know, trail time. And um, we always get to school sort of like happy and energized. But getting out the door can be stressful. And I found myself sort of in that like default, like yelling or Mm -hmm. not yelling, but like kind of ordering, like, come on, let's go to, you know. And then I was like, wait, this is entirely optional. Like I can decide that, you know what, it's okay to be five minutes late to school today. Mm -hmm. Like, thank goodness they even have a school to go to. And like in the bigger picture, it's better to preserve some of the peace and actual joy in the morning, like when we aren't, you know, barking orders at each other. And so to have that kind of awareness to be able to slow down and and make that choice in the moment is really important. And I think a lot of times we're just on autopilot. So we don't, we forget we have that choice and, um, and it helps to remember like, Oh, right. I guess in the big picture, it's not that the end of the world. And let's just choose to be a couple minutes late today. I, yeah, I love that. And I also love the idea of 
riding your bike, not just a mile, but four miles to school. I mean, everybody feels better when they get a little movement before they have to sit down and be in class. Well, absolutely. And, you know, we found this out because my kids used to go to the neighborhood school, which I love our public school. And, and my older daughter graduated last spring and, and we found, you know, she wanted to go to this outdoor school, which she discovered pre pandemic and then post pandemic or during the pandemic, you're like, Oh, this makes even more sense. But we pulled our younger daughter reluctantly because we're both real public school kids ourselves. Um, because we wanted her to be able to go to school and, um, it's, it's, yeah, it's four miles away. And initially I was like, oh, they're not going to want to ride. And, um, we have just made it a habit, a ritual. And it's talking about that training, right? Like Mm -hmm. we were training, I was training myself as much in the beginning of like, don't talk about how far it is. Mm -hmm. Don't ever, you know, say that it's hard, right? Cause they hear that and then they, that becomes their narrative, just like when we're out, you know, in the water or on a river or a lake, you never say the C word. You never say that the water's cold. <laughs> right? That's like my fam, our little like parenting rule. That because is if smart. they hear you, they're going to be like, oh, it's cold. I can't go in. But if you don't give them that storyline, it may they may have a totally different experience. So, yeah, the bike ride, just moving. Um, and even last spring before – when they were in distance learning like we started this ritual of like they would take the dog for a walk Mm. each morning because they needed like they weren't biking to school you know because there was no school and so it's like okay we need to move every morning before we sit down to learn and I think that's so important so hopefully they're getting some things that they'll take forward into their lives and be like oh right I always feel better I always learn better or I'm more creative after I've moved my body that's and I love saying um, you creating the storyline. Mm-hmm. Like I, yeah. re- I remember being on an airplane with my son on the way to the Olympic trials, actually in in um, February. Oh, and cool. as we're taking off, I took him on a trip with me, which was cool. Like he was coming with mom on her work trip. But as we're taking off, he goes, "I hope the plane doesn't crash." <laughs> oh and my god! I am a nervous flyer, so I'm sitting here thinking, "Okay, I have to like." rewrite that thought in his head because I can't let him think I'm, you know, thinking anything like that either. So I think it's so important that we, we feed that to our kids, like what, what we would want them to feel in the moment. And if we feed them, if he, if I feed him, yeah, mom's nervous too right now. He's really going to feel nervous. Right. Right. Or like, oh, this is such a far way or God, like, I, you know, it's way too far to bike this, you know, to school. Um, right. Like if sometimes they wouldn't have thought that on their own necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. And my, I just had a conference the other day with my younger daughter's teacher and um, she was saying how she'd come into the school year feeling like she was behind um, because she'd been remote learning last spring. And, and I just said to the teacher, I was like, you know, I think that was our narrative as parents. Like she overheard me Mm -hmm, talking mm -hmm. to my friends, expressing concern that the distance learning as they were doing it last spring, really, um, you know, it was triage. Of course the teachers were doing their best, but there were a lot of holes and there was quite a bit of regression and, I don't, she wouldn't have thought that if she hadn't overheard me. So it's, it's really important to be mindful about like the narratives we give to these, our kids. And, um, you know, and I, when my, when I said that the teacher was like, that totally makes sense, you know, and I just owned it. I was like that, that was my husband and me totally. And they pick, those kids are like little sponges, right? They just pick up on our stories and our emotions. Oh, 100%. Okay, friends, uh, Katie and I have more to talk about, and we're going to do this in a continued episode. We are going to be talking about um, sports and unstructured play and all kinds of things around those topics in an upcoming episode. Um, But we're going to wrap for this episode. And Katie, what is one goal in your life, either as a mother or as a runner or writer that you haven't achieved yet that you want to go after? Oh, gosh, I love that. Um, there's a couple that come right to mind. Well, um, first of all, I'm working on my next book. So that is sort of my big writing goal. Oh, nice. Um, 
My second one is um, I am planning to run the Continental Divide Trail, which is a through trail like the Pacific Crest and the Appalachian Trail that goes up the spine of the country through the Rockies. It's 3,000 miles long, and my plan initially is to run the section in New Mexico, which is about seven. 170 miles. And I'm so excited about this because right now I can't travel. My kids are in school, as I mentioned, so we have to keep things really tight. If I were to travel out of state, I'd, they and I would have to quarantine. And my kids mm. are like, no way we're missing school, mom. Aww. So I'm here in New Mexico and I am so excited to just make the most of my time here and focus on um, all that my state has to offer. So I am planning a big through run of the CDT, um, self-supported. So like carrying all my super light gear to sleep out on the trail and wake up and run each day. Wow. And you'll do it all by yourself. I hoping I'm hoping I won't because I really want to use this opportunity. I'll give a little plug right now yeah. for this project. Be I really want to use the opportunity to connect with other runners and and um, ultra runners about like issues that matter to them, right? Like so often we're in races and we're, you know, racing each other or we're, you know, racing the clock and we don't have time to connect about the things that matter, whether it's mental health or public land or climate change. So I want to use this trail time to sort of unplug from our watches, which is also hard for a lot of athletes to do and really like plug into the natural world and each other. So I'm hoping to make it like kind of a friendship run where different runners join me for different sections and we kind of do a deep dive like you and I have done on different topics that are really important to these people and then share them. Um, so I'm hoping to get partners and uh, that's that's the goal. But I'm also open to it sort of evolving how it's meant to. Mm. And uh, I may end up running a lot of it alone, but if anyone's listening who is interested in joining me, um, let me know. <laughs> I love that. So I'm assuming that means the book is going to have pieces from this adventure in it. You're, well, I love the way you're thinking. The <laughs> book I'm working on right now is a different book. Okay. But yeah, I am sure I will write a book about the experience or write about it in some form. Yes, that... Um, that the just the idea of running as a journey that's always sort of how I've seen running and the competition is just a, a like a real sliver of why I run um and so uh yeah I'll definitely be writing about the CDT so do we get to know what you're writing about now or is that still not not out in the public yet it's kind of the next um it's the continuation of the story I started in running home which is sort of running was um a way to get through the grief of losing my father and then when I when I learned how much my body could help me get through the grief um and and sort of get me out the other side, I then had this traumatic wilderness accident where I broke my leg on a river. I was out in the wilderness for six days and injured. I then had to learn how to let my mind heal my body. And it's really about the power of the mind and intention. And it's a little bit about running. I joke that the, the tagline is going to be like a little about running, a lot about life, mm. but it's sort of tapping into our mental strength as as humans and kind of imagining the future and the, the results we want for ourselves. And then if that power of intention and imagination is so strong, so often you can accomplish even more than you thought you could. Wow. When did you break? When did that happen? That happened in 2016. My husband and I were on our anniversary um, river trip on the Middle Fork of the Salmon River, which is this amazing remote wilderness river in Idaho. And um, it was a six-day trip, and I we flipped our raft on the first day. Fluke <gasps> accident. My husband's a great oarsman, and we've done a ton of rivers, but we wrapped on a rock. I flipped, and I fell out, and as I fell, I somehow I broke my leg. Wow. I didn't know it was broken. Obviously, wow. I, I have a pain, high pain threshold. Yeah. Anyway, long story short, I stayed on the river, you know, couldn't bear weight. And um, 
when I got off and got finally got back to Santa Fe, my doctor's like, yeah, it's broken. Wow. You're going to need surgery and um, you should never run again. And the story is about how I didn't. That was his story. And right. I decided it wouldn't be mine. And then I went on ultimately to win Leadville. Right. <laughs> Right. So it's also about the claiming our narratives and being really careful with the narratives we tell ourselves. Like that doctor's voice was in my head for so long. It would echo in my head like this sort of doomsday scenario. And then one moment I just decided, you know what, like that was his story, but I didn't have to make it mine. Wow. I cannot wait to read it. <laughs> wow. That's so exciting. When does it come out? Well, I'm working on it. I'm about halfway through. So, um, that's been my pandemic project. It's kind of funny, but like you wouldn't think that having kids at home, homeschooling last spring and underfoot all summer would be really conducive to writing a book. But it's been a really fruitful time. And that also is a lesson that I've learned and I write in running home is like the things right that you think are going to be hard turn out to be easier. And mm -hmm. um, I've just been um, in this kind of flow state with it. Um, so hopefully I'll finish this winter. That's the goal. Wow. Okay, Katie, what is the best, most recent book you've read? And do you have any good book recommendations for kids? Yeah. So I read a ton. And as soon as someone asks me what's the best book I've read, <laughs> like I forget everything I've read. <laughs> um, but I read a really amazing book recently called Migrations. It's a novel and um, it's set kind of in the near future um, where in a time where bird life has like really dwindled and there's almost no fish in the sea. It sounds very bleak, but it's sort of that climate, um, climate, concern and climate change is, is has happened and this woman the main character is this very plucky woman who goes out to follow the last what they think is the last migration of the arctic tern and those are birds that fly all the way from the arctic every year to the to antarctica and she's out on the ship following the birds and i love any story about women who are like brave and gritty outside and she she's an incredible character i highly recommend that one um and books for kids well i i was such a reader as a kid too and so i'm just going to plug some of the favorite books that i read as a kid that my daughters have recently discovered and and that's the harriet the spy book i don't know if you're familiar you have boys but i've heard of it though she is such a great character. She's this sort of, again, this plucky girl, sort of tomboy out, um, and she fancies herself a spy. And so mm -hmm. she's out in the world collecting clues and making stories. And she was so formative to me because that's, I really think is partly why I became a writer, was reading that book about how she would go in the world and make stories about what she saw. And my daughter, my 10-year-old recently read it and reading it aloud to me just took me back to being nine years old, right? And kind of out on my beat. I would go out and like find little snippets of trash and and like grocery lists and like make whole stories about them. So um, I love those books for kids. And um, she's just such a great, scrappy, um, curious kid. Oh, I love that. I feel like, I feel like that girls or boys could get a lot out of that book. Totally. Yeah. And she's got a really good friend named, I hope I don't get this wrong, Scout or Scooter. And oh no, his name's Sport. So there's stuff in there for boys too. And then I, I love the Judy Bloom books. Mm. I love voice. I love the Fudge books. Um, he's such a cool kid. Um, and my daughter recently reread like double fudge and all the, all the Judy Bloom fudge books. Um, and I, I'm just such a sucker for those books because they really shaped who I was mm. as a reader and that shaped who I am as a writer. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. We can't forget about the old school books like babysitters okay. club, boxcar children. Right. Totally. Um, so I'll uh, to the old school. Yeah. Okay, Katie, what from this conversation today, what's your message? What are what are the takeaways that the listeners you think should really walk away with? Oh, my gosh. 
Um, I think that like, even when it's hard, just stick with it, keep going, right? Like take the long view, like don't beat yourself up if if you give, you know, if you hand the kid the screen in the moment or if you haven't gotten them outside as much as possible because they're going through a phase where it's harder, like take the big picture and and sort of what are you trying to do over the long haul? It's like have them be healthy, curious, kind, compassionate kids in the world. And so just do what you can each day to sort of, you know, take a step in that direction. But you don't have to be a hero. I love it. <laughs> Katie, thank you so much. Thanks, Lindsay. This is really fun. And I'm excited to talk about our next uh, episode. Yes. All right, friends. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, Katie, for sharing your story. Can't wait to have you back on the show. Make sure you go check out Katie's book, Running Home. It's so good. You do not have to be a runner to enjoy the book. She's got more books in the works, which is super exciting. And you can find Katie and follow along with her on social media. She is Katie Arnold on Instagram and her website is katiearnold.net. We'll also have links to all that we talked about in the show notes at sandyboyproductions.com. You can find us over on social media. We are Why Is Everyone Yelling on Instagram. We would love to have you join us. We also have a Facebook group going where we are reading the seven spiritual laws for parents together. Um, if you just search groups, it's why is everyone yelling on Facebook and you can find me personally on Instagram. I am Lindsay Hines 626 over there. I do appreciate you being here today. Super grateful that you are part of the beginning of this podcast that I have big dreams for. And I just appreciate that you are giving it a shot. All right. Enjoy the rest of your day and we will see you next week.